This is Faith Speaks, where we get real about what matters and put our faith into action to address the needs in our community. Hey, what's up, y'all? Um, we're with uh, Father Manny today. Good afternoon, y'all. And uh, he's been a major um, influence in ICUC and the community organizing that we do. He, of course, represents the diocese in a sense, um, being one of the Catholic priests involved. And there's a few parishes, right? Do you want to list off some of the parishes involved? Yeah, you know, uh, this works really started with uh, Father uh, Lenny Di Pasquale from uh, St. Bernardine's, uh, you know, right, right here down the street in the downtown parish. And uh, he's the one that really got us involved with ACUC. Um, and then we also had Father Duong, who's the uh, pastor there at the cathedral. And before him was Father Allen, and, and they were also very active here in the community. Um, you know, uh, right now we have, uh, you know, Our Lady Guadalupe before with uh, Father, uh, uh, Father Pablo. He was also involved, and now Father Mesqua, who took his place. And so, you know, we, we continue, uh, you know, to, to work on behalf of the people, you know, our, our members of the community are those your brothers and sisters, you know, those people that are, that are struggling in our community. And so, you know, we are certainly grateful to ICUC for the opportunity and really for collaborating with us. And, you know, something I was telling Michael, uh, you know, truly that ICUC gives opportunity to, to so many people that feel like they don't have a voice. And I think that's just so important, uh, you know, that we have that same mission is that we work on behalf of the voiceless. And I think this is why, you know, ICUC and the, the Catholic Diocese here in San Bernardino have, have worked so well, I think, over the years. And so, you know, we're so grateful not just to uh, to ICUC and, and the diocese, but also to all the other folks that have been helping, uh, you know, whether religious or spiritual or, or attached to a church or a synagogue, you know, like Father uh, Khalil, uh, excuse me, Rabbi Khalil Cohen or, uh, you know, uh, from the Islamic community. And so it's been a great, uh, a great collaboration. Yeah, multi-faith organizing, um, as well as uh, just people of faith, you could say. Because um, some youth nowadays, uh, we were talking about it a little earlier, are losing their path on on the whole, you know, religious and the faith-based um, angle. But I would still say they have faith in people. And I think that's something where we have to start, right, is building that faith in community so that we could... Um, make a lot of these changes that we've been fighting for. And uh, going back to the church, though, I started at Our Lady of the Rosary Cathedral, so I just want to give a shout-out to Virginia Silverthorne because that's where I started uh, with the youth program, you know, the, um, the youth center there that we had. We had a little clubhouse, and that's where I first met um, people from ICUC where they came and talked to us about getting involved and, and actually doing something about the problems we saw. Um, a lot of youth in San Bernardino, you know, were... We get influenced by gang life and other um, avenues because that's what you see growing up here in the schools and um, and on the streets, right? And so, like having those outlets and having those opportunities that ICUC provided us as youth really helped us flourish and have a voice, like Father was saying. Um, and yeah, do you want to give a, a quick introduction about you? Because there's so much to unpack that, uh, you know, your background, uh, being a history major and whatnot, so. Yeah, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm Inland Empire, you know, 909 before it was 951, before it was 714. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Corona and I'm a graduate of Corona High School, uh, Go Panthers. And uh, once I graduated from there, actually, I started attending Cal State University of San Bernardino. Um, I got through uh, the university uh, through the EOP program, which mm -hmm. is, you know, one of the affirmative action programs. And, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I w I'm smart, but I was lazy. And so I was able to get in that way. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of great people there that really influenced uh, my decisions. I was going to be a teacher for uh, that was my, my, my career goal since fifth grade. I was going to be a teacher. And uh, uh, but along the way, uh, I found history and history led me to the church. Um, you know, growing up, my home parish is St. Edward in Corona, and we'd go, but like, I wasn't really too committed. I would go for my parents mostly, but eventually I found that commitment to, to my faith. And one of the things that really attracted me was the person of a, now a saint, Oscar Romero, who's the, the former Archbishop of, uh, of San Salvador in, in uh, El, Salva, El Salvador. And so just seeing the kind of social action that he was partaking of, that he was instrumental and in seeing how the people would get organized in these uh, basically these collaborative efforts the poor you know those campesinos los pobres you know the voiceless against uh, at the time which was a ruthless uh, military dictatorship and sally you know you hear these stories supported by the united states and uh, then you hear these these injustices and so 
I saw the Catholic Church, uh, you know, not like before when it was oppressive, but really as, as a conduit for change. And so I said, you know, I want to be like that. You know, that really inspired me. And so eventually entering the seminary, I lived in San Antonio for five years and I've been uh, different places uh, from San Antonio to up the high desert in Adelanto, uh, Temecula, uh, Loma Linda, and now finally here in Our Lady of Hope in San Bernardino. And so I graduated in 2001 with a degree in history. Um, and then into the, into the seminary, got ordained in 2009, and I've been a priest now for uh, 12 years, praise God. I've been here at Our Lady of Hope, uh, which is located on uh, Valencia, uh, excuse me, Valencia and Olive, which is one site, and the other site is on um, Del Rose and Pacific. Um, I've been there now for uh, eight years, and it's, it's been great. I love, I love San Bernardino, um, you know, just being able to see, uh, you know, the people. That's, that's really the jewel of San Bernardino, is the, its people, and, and, and seeing that despite all the difficulties, despite all the hardships, people are still active. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see that in Temecula. I didn't see that in Loma Linda. I didn't see that in Adelanto or in, as much as San Antonio, but I see it here in San Bernardino. And that inspires me, you know, like to, to be better and to be like, you know, I need to know what's going on in my community with my people, um, you know, and the changes that need to be made here in the city of San Bernardino. So, you know, that's kind of the, the short version of uh, how I got here. Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> the short version. That's no. That's that's perfect. Um, I was gonna say, your parish is amazing too. Like, we've done so much there. Like, I I remember before COVID happened, we we're doing a lot of parent engagement meetings there. Um, Sergio and his parents do that, right? Yes. Um, the the organizers there, the parent organizers, um, and you guys have one of the most beautiful murals i would say in the entire city of san bernardino at your parish hall Um, we do um you know man this is probably about 20 years ago the pastor at the time uh commissioned a painting of the uh, vietnamese uh martyrs yeah um and so there was about a hundred year period during uh in which uh the christians uh, the catholics in vietnam were being persecuted by the uh by the emperor of vietnam and uh and so uh, within a 100-year period, about 100,000 Catholics uh, were, were martyred. And so the mural represents uh, the 118 who are commemorated, who are recognized. Um, and, and so it was, um, it was painted by a member of the parish at the time, but also using the faces of the members of the community as, oh, as the saints. And so that's one side. On the other side is a mural uh, painted by the same, the same painter, um, of Arli, the story of Arli Guadalupe, of uh, San Juan Diego, and in the meeting of the Aztecs with the Spaniards. And, and so it's, it's really interesting just seeing some of the detail in, in the actual painting and some of the touches that the, uh, the artist had. But one of the things that you certainly notice is that the painter, you know, the eyes of the Blessed Virgin Mary, they look Vietnamese mm-hmm. because he's Vietnamese. And, and so it's just interesting to see again that it came from his heart. You can tell like, how much he, he really loved the community and even his faith. And so, um, you know, I, like Michael said, this is to me one of the biggest, uh, most beautiful things I have, not just in, in our city, but really in our, our entire diocese. I've never seen anything like that anywhere in this diocese. You know, and so I'm a big fan of murals. You know, I think it's how me and Michael got hooked uh, <laughs> up because I love murals. I remember, like, commenting on it when I was younger, and I was just, like, so excited. I I came from, like, you know, muralism, uh, like, the graffiti field, and, like, seeing legal work that's, like, so amazing. Like, San Bernardino lacks a lot of that. Not that we don't have the talent, but we just haven't been funding artists to do that. Um, Yeah. But thanks for your church doing that, you know, like, your parish. I love it. And, you know, we just finished a collaboration with uh, Operation New Hope, which is right, right down here and down the street. And they did another mural of Our Lady of Hope uh, right there on the Pacific and uh, Del Rosa Street corner where it's uh, different church imagery, but also Our Lady of Hope in the three languages, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese that represent oh, the community nice. with some religious imagery, but also some imagery of like vegetation from the area, you know, and, and so it's really a, a cool project. It was all done by young people and then a couple of the staff from the Operation New Hope and um, you know we're always looking for new new collaborations um you know we have another wall that's bare and like you know i told the operation new hope and whoever else like hey man we're more than happy to 
continue the calibration, you know, and, and do what, what we need to do and help help the students, you know, get stipends, whatever we need to do. And it gives you know. them a path, right? It gives them somewhere to be and be off the streets. And it, yeah. and it also creates investment. Like now they're invested in that space. Like they created it. And that's, I think, what we're really lacking here. I know the churches have given us that, right? Like I always felt a part of my community at Our Lady of the Rosary. And I still do. Like if I go there, I feel like at home, right? Like I know where everything is. I'm like used to it. I grew up there. Like, but that's something we're lacking. And I, I just want to go to... Um, like violence right that, 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 that's really the, the reason why we came together today is like we wanted to talk about this long uh, journey this campaign that icu she's been having probably before even we were involved yeah. um and i know you came here in um eight years ago and mm-hmm. i'm not sure when when exactly did you start getting involved um with icuc and um yeah. why you know, um, when I first got here, again, I was just trying to learn the city, and within, uh, I think, less than a year, we had a, a terrible shooting of a four-year-old um, right there on the border between San Bernardino and Highland. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, just obviously, it was ter- terrible, and, you know, we we're accompanying the family and, and, and just trying to do what we what we could, but I almost felt very helpless, you know, like, what do I do? What, how can I help this family? And... Uh, so we actually had a prayer visual at St. Bernardine's with Father Lenny, and, and there was a lot of members of ICUC uh, and members of the community who were, who were there. And um, then I then I heard about uh, Mrs. Myers and her daughters, and 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 you know just you hearing these these stories of people who are getting shot and people who are getting killed. And I think even when I was at Cal State, you know you would hear the problems, but when you when you know my life when I was a student at Cal State was you know go go to school, go home. Or go to school. I'm on campus doing campus work. Yeah, you're isolated. You know? Right. It's like its own little island away from it the is. rest of the city. Absolutely. And so coming here as a pastor, it's like I have to hear these stories of these mothers, these fathers who are like heartbroken. You know, just even within the last year, uh, you know, I had to bury a young man. He was only 19. He got shot, killed. I believe it was on Arrowhead and 9th Street. And um, we had a prayer vigil there. But like at the funeral, like I had to preach, like don't. Go for vengeance. Justice will be done. Whether it's human justice or divine justice, justice will be done. But like, heal, be healed. You know, let us help you be healed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we have members of our community that go visit people who have had these difficult deaths. You know, and uh, and little by little they, they've gotten better. But it, it, you know, obviously we have a, this issue here in San Bernardino with this violence. You know, just when we're working with California partnerships, just hearing. The amount of, of death that was going on in the last 35 years, it was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it, it's like, it, it, there's no sense of urgency. And I think that's what's frustrating. So I think for those who are collaborating um, with this in this effort, we see the sense of urgency because we got to be out there with these folks who are suffering these and these folks who have died. And um, I, that to me is where, where it started was with this four-year-old boy and then the St. Bernardine's helping as well as ICUC bringing us all together. Now, sadly, some of our community members, community leaders don't see the same sense of urgency as, as we do. And maybe because they, like I was talking about being at Cal State, maybe they live on their own little islands and they're not invested in the city, even though they represent our city. So I think we have to challenge that, that uh, mentality and say, hey, this is happening in front of your eyes. Open them. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of their 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 problems with it, right, is like most people have this view that police are going to solve everything and heavy policing is the, you know, heavy policing and supplying the police with all this tech is what's going to change communities like San Bernardino. And we've seen that it hasn't worked. Like we see that it continues. The violence continues. um, And at the same time, the funding continues to the police at this like high rate. So, um I know way back in the day, I think this was 2014 when um, ICUC had Pico, California uh, bring an advisor from NorCal. Um, I believe it was Adam. I can't remember his his last name. I don't want to get it wrong. But I know he came and he gave, it was actually at the Diocese of San Bernardino. Yeah. Um, we had like this training. I, I remember it because I recorded it and I have a video somewhere of what I filmed. Yeah. But um that was the first time I heard about alternatives, right? Like best practices, best best practice alternatives to um, policing, right? And something that's more community-based. 
Um, I don't know if you want to, I know you were there, I believe, at that meeting. Yeah. That was, it's a long time now, huh? It's it was 2021. <laughs> yeah, it is a long time ago. You know, we had, um, I, think, uh, one of the, I know one of the members who was there was uh, Pastor Ken McBride, who is working up in, in Oakland, you mm-hmm. know, in this, uh, in this initiative. And, and so I know there was a lot of different players. And, and, and like you said, it was one of those moments in which, like, here's an alternative that's actually proven to work with analytics with you know statistics with all these things and the crazy thing is it's it's like a fraction of the money that we've been pouring into policing and it's like in a city like san Bernardino, you know y'all know it we're poor you know we went bankrupt we had all these issues and here we are finally out of bankruptcy and like this is a common sense alternative that's more effective than just pumping a bunch of money over half like from what i understand 63 percent of the city budget goes to policing and yet we see these these uh, violence uh, rates basically consistent. It's like this is not a good uh, return on investment. Mm-hmm. And, and so I do remember that, and it was the first time that I heard of a violence intervention program or ceasefire, and it just it's different. And, and so just hearing the statistics of like Oakland, you know, which is notorious for a lot of violence, and you know it went down like twenty percent, or Richmond forty percent, or Stockton sixty percent, and like I look at Stockton is like. Man, they're like us. They were bankrupt too, and they're like a city like has a lot of gang problems. A city kind of as big, uh, bigger than ours, but uh, generally the same. And it's like this is what can happen here: sixty percent. And and so I think this is where our frustration is: is that um, it's right in front of them, and we've been giving the statistics, and yet it, there's always a hesitancy. And I think that comes from two things: just taking out the wrong people, and then other people. Um, exerting a lot of pressure to leave it the way it is. Yeah, you like know? the police union, making yeah. sure that they're, they continue to build their budget. Um, yeah, and I think we, there's something to say. I remember when the shooting, the terrible shooting in Dallas happened, and uh, the police chief there said, listen, we can't handle all the social problems. And he said the truth. And it's like that guy almost, it, it was like, well, thanks, but we're going to dismiss that. Yeah. You know, it's like he knows. They all know, but it's like because of the money and the and they get paid well. Yeah, a lot of them do. Well. A lot yeah. of them do once and, they get up in rank. And and so it's frustrating because it's right there. Oh, and they have good retirement too. Yeah, something that we don't think about all the time is yeah. that these people are retiring outside of our city. So yeah, and I'm not against police funding. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like let's use the limited resource we have to do something efficient and effective. And it doesn't part just one part of the community. It brings together all parts of the community. Because that's what we need in San Bernardino. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. And we're talking about more funding that came in, right? Well, we obviously got out of the bankruptcy. And we had before this like a quarter, a quarter cent sales tax called Measure Z. And that really was going towards policing um, because we had so much cost occurred um, that we had to pay off, right? And we started yeah. having to pay all these police officers, the ones that didn't get laid off. And in the end, that sales tax came to, I think it stopped in 2020. Um, We just had the vote, right, in November. And people voted yes on Measure S, right? This was really talked about and pushed. And a lot of people, me personally, you know, we were like, yeah, that's cool. Like, if we really need a sales tax, as long as it's um, spent in the right places, right? And it doesn't go all straight towards police. Because this is increasing that that point two five to almost a dollar. Yeah. Um, I think it's ninety nine cents. So yeah. <laughs> we have like about forty million. I think it's thirty seven million. Uh, just coming from that sales tax, right? So all our people were asking for this past meeting, um, and this is uh, what well, we're in July twenty eighth now, July 29th, One of those dates today. Um, but this meeting just happened last week, so yeah. I know this is probably not going to be released super quick, but we were only asking for 1.5 out of 37 million. That's right. To start building this program um, that's been getting funded through grants and other state state uh, funding, right? Um, and funding it out of our own pockets as a city, like showing the people that we care to create alternatives, right? And yeah, they all said, they don't know anything about this program. And even though they voted on it, 
the and this is the violence intervention program but yes maybe we should we should explain more about it because i know you were there in the foundation of you you got that presentation from pico right in 2014 yeah. and then where did it kind of snowball from there well you know we started in a actually at our lady of the rosary and we started this uh working group with uh different denominations religions uh, with SUC and uh, it started as Common Ground for Peace. It was yeah, San Bernardino Common Ground for yeah. Peace. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it started. And, uh, you know, little by little, we kept pushing. Uh, now, we did get uh, a violence intervention program uh, uh, coordinator, uh, David Miranda, who's doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's doing the work of many people and he's one guy. And and, and uh, so what the strategy basically is is uh one of well there's many strategies but it brings in not just policing but it also brings in uh, what is known as interrupters or people who if there's a shooting they go in and visit the family and, and provide them services whether it's counseling whether it's more practical or those who are in danger we find what happened was what happens is they look at who is the most in danger of of shooting and who's most in danger of being shot mm-hmm. and they go work with those high risk groups and saying let us give you an alternative to get out of this lifestyle. And um, and so it brings in, you know, business. It brings in social services, the wraparound services. It brings in all these different segments to convince someone to leave that lifestyle. And then, of course, there's a the spiritual aspect because some of the partners, you know, like, uh, like for example, Hope, Hope Culture is part of uh, 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 Victory Outreach, you know, and so there's that other part. But also it brings in people who are living that life and got out of that life. And so there's an authenticity to this. Mm-hmm. People who know what it is to be in that, that that situation and how to get out because they've effectively done that. And so, um, you know, we started humbly and we still are continuing. The work is still getting done. Whether or not it's funny or not, it's still going to get done. But like, it's it's almost like saying, we're, well, we want you to do the work, but here, let's, uh, we're going to basically put, uh, you know, one arm behind your back. And you're going to skip your way to do this stuff. You know, it, it makes no sense, again, to fund efficiently $1.5 million for Measure S um, to fund this program. I mean, it, that's that's not too much of an ask. You know, especially, And it would give us better data, right? If we can cover more area, cover more gangs. Because that's the thing. You, yeah. you, you're pretty much hiring these interrupters, ex-gang members, right? Who, who have those relationships. Like, they're in with those families. And they're that's able right. to go and say, hey... Tell that dude not to go shoot somebody over revenge because it's not worth it. In the long run, it's not worth it. What do you need? You need a job? We're going to hook you up with this, like, job, uh, employment, or, you know, whatever it is, training, whatever you need. Yeah, you need rehab? Uh, We'll send you. Yeah. All these things that, you know, these folks have a lot of hurt. They have a lot of pain. And, and, you know, when people are are like that, they lash out. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I see in my parish, you know, when people come and say, Father, I'm angry or whatever. I know there's hurt, you know, that's a symptom. And, and so um, that's the thing that I, I really believe in this program that it, it, rather than looking at a person and say, well, you're just a problem person. So let's look at you and see what are, what is going on in your life that that caused you to to erupt like this mm-hmm. and deal with those problems instead of looking at a person as a lost cause. You know, again, we, we see this program as certainly a, a, a way to again to rehabilitate, you know, and uh, one of the, the statistics that they gave just the other night at the, at the meeting was that people who are in this program, 90%, like, they don't recidivate. They don't go back. Mm-hmm. They get out. I mean, can you imagine if, like, if we had even 50% reduction in gun violence, uh, of gun violence in the city? That's, for every, for every murder in the city, that's $1.2 million that is being spent in its totality by the city, by the police, in all, in all ways. That's yeah, the court system, all the exactly. Yeah, that's avenues. a lot of money that's going out to convict somebody. So let's take instead of taking all that money, let's take this X amount of money that's like man, like seventy percent or eighty percent less, and get this person to turn around before he kills somebody. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it yeah. impacts his whole community, and so. Um, and it hurts those families, like you said, going back to the human side of it and yeah. like you, um, you know, being there for your community at the at the church, right at your parish is like seeing those hurt families, like the the, the mothers and fathers. Um, it's it just it's common sense, I think, to a lot of us who've been doing this work is like, why wouldn't we invest in alternatives? Because we obviously didn't get the results from the other policing that we've been investing in. No, no. And I think that's the unfortunate part is that the people get stuck in a certain way of thinking. 
and, and and we really have a uh, something here that that yes it, it it is necessary to think a different way but again the the statistics point out that this is a more effective more cost effective but more importantly more life effective you know we want people to get out of the life you know police certainly will come once the the the, the perpetrator the, per, the the crime has happened already mm-hmm. but this is how do we avoid that from ever happening it's a preventative right measure. certainly a preventative it's it's comprehensive and i think this is where the frustration lies with some of the members of the council like there's some who are very very supportive very supportive mm-hmm. there's some that are like mm, i don't know maybe and there's some who are like absolutely not and the crazy thing is i just found this out uh, during after the meeting um, was that the two that are re- almost vehemently opposed to this pro- this program in, in funding it, they have number one and number two most uh, gun violent deaths in their wards. Oh, man, that's a good statistic to oh my put gosh. out there. <laughs> right? I'm like, what are you doing? And, and so, like, to me, it's not just uh, a matter of, like, these. this work is already getting done. Mm-hmm. Praise God, this work is already getting done. Now, I think for us, anyone who's listening, like, you know, come help us put pressure on these these two that are vehemently opposed, you know, and uh, I forgot to call them out here on this on this program, but like we'll tell you who they are and, and we have to put pressure, you know, because that's the only way we're going to get this done. This is my problem with sometimes with Sam, you know, is like you can get a you can win a seat with like 2000 votes. A thousand yeah, votes. yeah, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It is can, a problem. You can be a mayor. Not enough people are voting, right? Yeah. And that's something we've also been working on is all the time yes. is trying to register people at, you know, yes. all the parishes we work in, registering people at the schools, like making sure people have access to voting because that's what you need for true democracy to happen or else you have stuff like San Bernardino happening where you have uh, <laughs> elected officials who don't get along, but also in a sense like, um, they're not for the people, I would say. Like they're they're only um, going for that small constituency who's voting for them, and they're not really thinking yeah. of the the larger picture of their community, right? And and what's needed. So, yeah, it doesn't I, take a lot of effort to see what's going on in the community. I mean, you just have to come just come down your baseline of Waterman. And you, yeah, you know, man. We actually had a shooting outside the office this week. Um, somebody got shot in the leg, I want to say, so an yeah. injury shooting. And I remember from that report um, that hope, is it Hope Culture or yeah. um, Healing, Hope and Healing, I believe, Foundation. Um, but they did this report, right? And it's saying like, that that's where you're pulling those numbers from. But I believe it was like 800,000 for an injury shooting. And then um, it cost taxpayers, us, and then 1.2 million for deaths. So yeah. a shooting that ends up in the death, 1.2 million. So think about how much we're losing. Um, that's, yeah. that's a lot. You know, I think that one of the years that was really a, a bad situation, we had, I think, uh, almost 90 deaths. Uh, $1.5 million per death <laughs> or $1.2 million per death. That's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's uh, you it know, could have go, went to parks, it could have went to more community programs and yeah. in, in centers, right? That's um, almost 100, 100 million dollars. Yeah. If you think about it. <laughs> Again, it's not like we're bleeding. It's not like, you know, money's coming out of our ears in San Bernardino. You know, and I think what you just said, I think this is where the, the, the community needs to come out. Walk with us, you know, when we go back to walking in these prayer walks. But really, writing letters to their ward, you know, whoever their ward is, uh, representative from their council member from their ward, getting to know who they are. You know, one of them, like, I remember, and this is one of the opponents, um, one of them said, like, the biggest concern... Uh, that they had when when they decided to run was like trash service, like okay, that's okay, that's important, but like people are dying. Yeah, yeah, people are yeah. dying on the streets, and you're worried about trash service. People don't have um, good jobs. Like we're all just buying into warehouses right now too. There's there's a lot of in- inequality happening right now um, in the IE altogether, but for sure San Bernardino is one of the certainly the strongest hit right by this it is you know and uh one of the uh well before he got on the council you know uh ben Reynoso was working with the amazon project you know and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. opposing that and and you know the environmental justice you know obviously the sb airport community one right yeah eastgate East Project Eastgate. that's right and and so you know we know that here in the city there's a lot of environmental racism you know like there's so many kids with asthma mm-hmm. and you know and here we have these massive amazon and you know there's no community benefits they come in they build their stuff 
and then they get to go home. But the workers get to stay here, you know, uh, minimum wage jobs with benefit without very breaking their backs, pretty much. Yeah, and, and so. You know, there's a lot of things, certainly here in the city of San Marino, that if we had enough participation and people being motivated to, to organize, being motivated to vote, being motivated, you know, for those who really want to make a bigger difference is to get on the council. You know, it, it, we you, you have allies. You know, there are people who will back you um, if you're out there, mm-hmm. you know, and to make your voice heard. And so... You know, like you said, people have always been active here too, right? Like there's people yeah. who want to be active as well. Um, and I think one thing people don't also uh, look at though is like some people who do want to be active don't have the time because they're taking care of their family members. Right. They're, they're trying to work, right? They're working these crappy jobs, so they have to work two jobs. They don't really have time to even uh, participate in the council meetings. Like I think that's another thing that we had brought up. A lot of people talked about it, right? Um, I think Kelvin and Christian Flores for sure brought it up to the council about accessibility to public comment. Like yep. they they released this whole like uh, voicemail protocol, and then they just took it away because they're like, oh, now we're back in person meeting, but. There's still people like me, especially, I couldn't make it out because I'm taking care of my daughter who's That's not right. even two yet. So I'm like trying to put her to sleep. I can't be there until midnight at a at a commission, at a a commission council, council meeting, meeting, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of certainly inequity, you know, for people who are working class here in the city, which is the vast majority of people. You know, you, again, you just go anywhere. And my community is certainly a working class community, you know, and uh, I don't know how people do it. I mean, I, you, you know, folks like yourself who have... Your children, your family, you know, like I got it pretty easy, you know, I don't have a family to take care of, but like, oh, you works. have a lot of families you know? to take care of. Yeah, but I, but I can go home and uh, just be like, ah, I'm going to just lay here and then I'm taking the night off. People. But like, and this is where we have to be, you know, where we have to advocate again for those who aren't at, at the meeting and, yeah, you know, and there's a sure. lot of things that certainly not just this gun violence, uh, violence intervention program, but. But, you know, a lot of different things that I know ICUC, Pico, California, and different uh, collaborators are working on, you know, even economic justice, these, these sort of things that are, is necessary in, in mm-hmm. California. You know, whether like the richest uh, state in the whole union, and, but yet it almost like number 10 in the world, and so much inequality, too much. Yeah, for sure, man. It's... Well, I guess that's why we're, we're continuing to battle it, right? And um, going back to the history, because I, I think that's what, like, what really frustrated me the other day, like, seeing the council meeting about the whole VIP funding and them saying they've never heard of this program. Although um, a fact is, you know, council gets briefed on everything they're supposed to vote on, that's so right. they should have known about the program. This stuff was in talks be- prior to... Um, the yes. newest mayor, right, Valdivia, it started with uh, Kerry Davis. And even prior to that, um, we were doing a lot of the work, right? The groundwork of research, um, yeah. the the San Bernardino Common Ground for Peace that um, was formed with all these congregations um, and youth and parents and people who really cared about the community, right? Yeah. Um, you guys started these prayer walks. So that's a piece of this that um, I think the faith-based community really led was... Um, prayer walks in the community just talking to folks and getting um folks aware of the alternatives and letting like talking to people on the street about hey um you know what what resources do you need um we're here for you do you need us to pray with you right now and and really just being on the ground right like being that um i guess community engagement is something that obviously nonprofits do and um or they should be doing right and i think we've all done that and it's something that lacks though in our city as well it's like and i think that's one thing i really love about the vip program is at least you're getting this community engagement um yeah. by connecting with those families who need resources and connecting with the ones that like you said were on the on the wrong path in a sense of like violence and being able to stop that and say all right let's turn you this way and like you know, let's change your path and and give you the the need, the help. Um, but yeah, man, you were there since the beginning. So like you guys did those prayer walks. And then I know you um, you're doing research because so the VIP is based on ceasefire for people who don't um, yeah. know the history. Yeah. So this program, I believe, from what I understand, started in Boston mm-hmm. is the first one of the first cities that started the ceasefire program and then it spread to other cities 
um, here in the United States. I know certain cities uh, in the States are still uh, trying to implement it. You know, Baltimore was one of them. Cincinnati, you know, obviously in California, the three biggest ones that we that we've been talking about is Oakland, Richmond, and, and Stockton. Now here, San Bernardino, um, and, and and again, I think this this is something that uh, it's a proven if done correctly. Because I know they tried it in, in in Chicago, but there there's some very vested interests in Chicago that are entrenched, and they don't want it to be fully implemented. And that's mm-hmm. where where the problem lies. Where it's been fully implemented. And it's something that we were warned about when we they told us if you try to fully implement it, you're going to get pushback. But you didn't got to keep pushing, and so where it's been done correctly, it's led to like this totally uh, less, way less gun violence, and you know that gives a lot of opportunity to a city like San Bernardino, for example, who like people are afraid to go outside, people are afraid to go to parks, people are afraid to just go and go you know to the local businesses. Mm-hmm. You know why would man? What if I get you shot? You don't want to walk, right? Like yeah. a lot of people don't want to walk places yeah. or, or be out at night anytime and, once it gets dark. Yeah, so you know it's it's a viable strategy that's been proven to to work. You know, and and to your point, um, I, and I hate to say this, but some of those people who say they didn't hear about this, they're liars. <laughs> they're just liars. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I know they know because we talked to them about it. Yeah, and I know that uh, you know I was told by someone on the uh, someone who worked on this very intimately that they get they do get reports that they were at first getting full reports, then they asked for shorter reports, then they asked for one paragraph report every other month, and now they're talking about like uh, like we need full reports every month. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, and I'm I was like, like, "What? Oh wait, wait a minute! You guys, some of them have been on the board for three years, and they never have talked to uh, David, you know, and so." You know, again, I hate to say it like that bluntly, but some of them are liars. They're lying yeah. to, to the people. They're lying to their constituency. And, um, you know, I don't understand why. It just makes no sense to me. And so, But we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep at it. And, uh, you know, there's strategies. You know, we're talking about strategies, how to pressure these folks or, or really to get them out. Get them out because, you know, I think people are tired of the same thing for over 30 some years now. They're tired of it. And this is an effective strategy one that's been proven to work and if we get enough if we get enough community support it's going to happen and it's going to work i have no doubt about that yeah man for sure let's let's talk more about um like just other alternatives right because i think through all the research right we we pushed this program i I believe it was saint bernardine's where there was a huge action um and somebody had just died a kid just got shot i remember that on the west side i believe he got like a stray bullet hit him right and he yeah. was in his front yard and i remember that because um the sun covered that big and then you guys came out with like hey we've been like fighting for this program this ceasefire right um this alternative to policing that's gonna like tackle gun violence and then the sun covered that as well there's an article out there and i remember it's like right on the steps of like saint bernardine's i can see the image in my head right now yeah and uh, that's like when I think Kerry Davis finally agreed um, his, you know, when he was mayor was like, hey, we're going to go uh, him and uh, Chief uh, Ber- Bergon. Ber- yeah, Bergon. Uh-huh. Bergon. Um, they they pretty much went to Chicago to uh, to experience the program. Right. Talk to the people and then and then yeah. bring back ideas for San Bernardino. Um, yeah. They went to Chicago, but then they also went to Oakland. Okay. okay. Yeah, and then when Berguan uh, retired, um, then Chief McBride, mm-hmm. who, to be honest, has been very, very helpful mm-hmm. in, in, in this effort. And he, from what he's told us, he believes in the program and he's seen how it works. And uh, so he is a He's worked in a department with it, right? He that, is. That was using it? Yes, and he's, uh, he's been very helpful assigning, um, you know, uh, lieutenants, sergeants. Uh, to help us with with the program, we went on the, on the prayer walks when we were having them before COVID. They would accompany us on on the prayer walks, you know, and uh, not as a threat, but just to accompany us. They'd be walking with us, and so um, McBride, uh, you know, uh, Chief Police McBride has been very very helpful, and uh, you know, I know he has to work within the system, you know, but as 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 has been said, VAP works with the police, you know. I mean, we can't just say oh well if you don't do this nothing's going to happen well that ha- there's consequences you know, yeah, obviously yeah. if someone's going to shoot someone there's going to be consequences and but we rather we rather have it this way where again rather than police doing everything and, and with guns blazing like let's let's see yeah. what we can find 
where we uphold the dignity of even someone who is prone to violence because they have dignity too and they can change. Anyone can change if there's an alternative that is presented to them and if they feel like, you know what, I need to get out of this life. Whether for my, my kid, my wife, my partner, whoever it is, I need to get out of this life. And that's the beauty of the program is that there's that alternative and there's, and, and there's that outreach. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's, that's very different than what's been being done. Before it was like, you know, let's, 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 let's send the police and they'll sweep it. They'll sweep the place. And that doesn't address any problem, any social problem, or any psychological or emotional problem or and, economic problem. Um, you were there at the press conference too the other day. And um, I thought it was really cool to see um, Dr. Sigrid, I believe, uh, talk about the VIP. So the VIP also has this other component where you're tackling, um, so Loma Linda, first off in our area, is the trauma center. Um, so when people get shot, stabbed, any penetration um, wounds, right? They get sent to uh, Loma Linda and people like Dr. Sigrid, she, she's the one who does the surgery and she pulls out the bullets or she stitches up the, whatever the wounds are, right? Um, so she was talking about it and she, she dropped a lot of good facts and I'm gonna release some stuff about that too. I have, I recorded some, some conversations she had and one of them was like the PTSD though coming from these people who are getting shot and stabbed and that's really, that leads to, um, you know, it, it uh, has this effect where now they're, they usually become abusers of alcohol or, or drugs and then that just leads to more crime, right? It leads to other anger issues and yeah. And that's why I think the the um, approach of having counseling too is such a, a big thing. And I know um, another program that's been talked about is Cahoots, which is another national yes. program that that brings in um, you know more more therapists, you know counselors to to handle uh, domestic abuse. I believe. Yeah, you know, uh, Pastor Kelvin Ward is uh, working on, on on Cahoots and also working with the initiative with the Loma Linda uh, University Medical Center and. And I can attest, you know, I used to be a chaplain there at Loma Linda, and, mm-hmm. and I, w- I was called to some of those calls, you know, where someone got shot and killed. And honest, honestly, I didn't know what to do. You know, there was angry people, and I, I wasn't trained for that. You know, all I could do is be there and just say, you know, we're here. But, like, you know, you as even as a chaplain, we're, like, a little scared because, like, my God, what if they lash out at us? What, if, what if, God forbid, something happens? And so now we have, uh, you know, uh, this program where interrupters can go people who, who've been there they know what to do um, and I think that's just again that's another way to get to people when they're at their biggest pain where they're not thinking logically it's all emotional and here's someone when they're most vulnerable and right vulnerable, yes. to, to committing violence that's right and here comes somebody who knows what they feel mm-hmm. because they've been there and say I know how you feel I've been there let me help you and that that diffuses a lot of things and, and so we are so grateful to Loma Linda and, you know, Pastor Ward for doing, uh, you know, this and, and, and certainly with Cahoots. You know, as someone who was a pastor there at the parish, uh, Our Lady Hope, I refer a lot of people to counseling. Anger is a big problem. You know, people get desperate. People have a lot of traumas, a lot of things that, that have gone on in life. Even myself, who, who someone who has received counseling in my life, it's been very helpful to get us at least to a level where we can think more logically than all mm-hmm. emotionally. And so... Um, you know, I think that's such a certainly a, something that is needed here in the city. You know, I, I wish it was something that was more of a push, even uh, getting more funded for, you know, uh, Kelsey Samuel, you know, more funding for, you know, these these sort of programs, you know, and uh, uh, trying to get more more uh, students in, in that sort of profession, you know, and uh, I, I think it's vital for the success of any any program. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, talking about um, students, uh, talking about young people, right? I know every church usually has a, a, your confirmation classes usually turn into the youth groups. And um, I know I was a part of the youth group at the church I went to. And what what's a positive? Like, let's talk about some positives. I feel like we've been such in these negatives. And like, what... like. What can we envision for San Bernardino, especially for young people who are coming out of, you know, the parishes, but also the schools here? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that there has to be, and I really push this a lot, and I think fortunately even the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has talked about this, is we, we kind of say the children are, the young people are the future, right? And I reject that. I reject yeah. that that belief because right, right now I've seen young people do so much in the community. For example, you know, shout out to... Uh, 
uh, Arturo Rosco, who's, who works oh, with yeah. ICUC. <laughs> that guy has organized students. He helped set up this room. I yeah. just want to put that out. Yeah, he's organized students uh, to, uh, you know, to, to push for more counseling at the, at the, at the high school level and the mm-hmm. middle school level. For voter registration for high school students you know i know right they now just, they just passed the voter policy like in september 2020 they got yeah. the school district to pretty much work with the register of voters which wasn't really happening there was no collaboration there right and now they're gonna make sure like each high school or each like school site or a, a number of them are going to become polling places permanently right so that now people are always going to be able to find their polling place like i could just go to the school where i drop off my kid yeah it just makes sense like it does make sense <laughs> things that make sense just accessibility you know they, that's right. they they're doing a lot of good work sorry yeah no 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 you know and, and i think that's what i what i've been seeing is uh, you know at these council meetings you know it's young people the other day at the press conference it's, it's young people telling their stories Mm-hmm. you know telling you know oh, yeah, that, that one testimony from that girl was powerful yeah, it was like, absolutely and, and you know and i think this is where as adults we forget like they have wisdom the young people have wisdom we can learn a great deal from them and to be mm-hmm. honest in my in my community like during covid like it's the young people who've been like doing the technology it's the young people who continue to do the work it's the young people who are organizing different events you know it's them they're all doing these things you know and uh so I, I think we see certainly in the community, a lot of times when I come to these meetings or we come to these gatherings, it's a bunch of young people. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in ICUC, you know, the, they called a phone bank like 400,000 people, like 400,000 calls. I was like, wow, that's that's amazing to me. And so when we play these word games about the future, like that's like saying, well, we could put them on the back burner and we mm-hmm. have to reject that. You know, when we hear, like, again, I hate to say this about my generation or older generation, like, dismiss the young people and, like, say, oh, well, they don't know anything or they're being manipulated and being used. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, they're the ones who are experiencing these things because why we didn't take care of it. Like, mm-hmm. we're the ones that didn't take care of it. We should apologize to them. And, and so, um, you know, there's just so many, again, so many things that are that are happening, whether it's at the school district level, whether it's psychological, whether it's a gun violence issue, you know, or even again the environmental issue when we had this uh, again the uh, Eastgate project. There was a lot of young people. Yeah, it's affecting about. your community too, yeah. right? It's like right there. I think you Absolutely. had the you guys had a we did a town a, hall, right? We had the town hall in the hall. I mean, I, I, yeah. I that hall was packed with a bunch of different people, you know, and and again, all young people led, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, so I think this is something that. I'm grateful for this next generation that's 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 already in action. You know, I know one of the uh, alumni of ICUC City Council in uh, oh, yeah. Highland, one of yeah. the youngest, Romero, Jesse, Jesse Romero, right? Jesse Chavez. Chavez, yeah, yeah, yeah Jesse yeah. Chavez. Is like, and then we have Ben now here at the city ben of San Bernardino, right? Who yeah. um, also came out of the youth program. So Yeah, and even just like when, when the whole George Floyd, uh, you know, the um, uh, uprisings were happening and and just hearing the young people again talking about like this racism like like almost like our my generation we really we didn't talk about it but they're talking about it and say we got to get rid of this racism and not just like all young people because mm-hmm. you know they they're they live in a diverse community and so you know they have they friends. grew up yeah and i diverse yeah. and so i think they have a voice uh you know why a, a, a wisdom a, a voice of wisdom that we we would be uh uh, we would be dumb to not to listen to. Yeah. Because they're there, they have experiences. So we need to elevate our young people, elevate that youth voice for sure. And um, you can always, you know, even donate to ICUC and continue the work of like the VIP, continue the youth work and continue building youth leaders in the city so that, you know, um, people like Arturo um, could continue the work they've done and the experiences they have. Um, and also like, maybe one day run for office that would be amazing um getting those that those basic skills to do that um but yeah father and what i think like what could we bring for the youth too um, besides listening to them and the youth voice i i just heard this really good podcast um re- related to uh public budgeting and i was like you know what why is the city not doing that and i know i've, I've heard in the past that they tried doing like a youth council and then that that it just like failed right like um, I guess they didn't give enough attention to it. The city did, or there was enough guidance, or they weren't recruiting the right youth. Sure. Um, you know, I never heard of that, but you know, I, I could only speak to, to my own experience in my parish. The one thing that my kids know is that if they want something, 
Mm-hmm. If they need money, it's it's gonna, they're going to get it. And if they want, if they have an idea, I'm going to say yes. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. Let's just okay, it, it didn't work, so let's work it out and see what happened. But you're going to get money, and I think that's something that that if everybody in the community put pressure on whoever the, the people that make the budget, or in our own respective faith communities or organizations, like let's listen and see what they have. And and it's fun what they what what they need, mm-hmm. you know. I'll tell you this: um, just two years ago, three years ago, we went to um, World Youth Day, uh, which is a gathering of Catholics from all over the world, and it was in um, Costa Rica and it was in Panama. And um, like I told my people, like we're gonna raise a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars to send kids, thirty-two kids, or it was thirty-two people, and twenty-seven I think were young people. And um, and people were like, really? <laughs> like they gasped. I heard, I've ever heard the audible gasp. And like, I said, yeah, we're gonna do it. And so we did. We raised a hundred thousand. We were able to send you know these young people and, and their chaperones. Myself, we were able to give the young people a stipend to go spend money because some of them never been on the seminary. You know, yeah. Some yeah. have never been on a plane. Some have never been out of the country. And like, so we want them to experience this beautiful thing. And. And I think, if anything, we need not just to listen, but like, hey, let's give you not just the tools, but like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because you got experience. You learn, right? And you, you learn, learn from those mistakes. But let's guide you, but not dismiss what you're saying. You know, does that mean there's a there's a balance? Totally. You know, but we have to just trust and say, you know what, work. See, how, let's see what happens. But we're, don't worry about the money. It's gonna it's gonna be there. And we sh- we should do that, like. That's awesome that you're doing it in your institution, right? That you're uh, managing. The city for sure should get on that, and it, as well as the school district, because I think like public public budgeting is practically setting aside like a hundred thousand only, or whatever it may be, right? Whatever you right. have available, but saying this this board of students gets to decide like where that goes, and maybe they're gonna buy laptops for their whole class or something that, because those kids need laptops, um, or maybe they're gonna get them phones, whatever it is that they need, but why aren't we doing those practices and listening more to the youth voice and and understanding, right? Like like you were saying, learning from, from these ideas, even if it is a failure, it's like you're you're taking the lessons and you're able to like compile on top of that and, and build something new, so. Yeah, it's a very frustrating, um, you know, cultural phenomenon we have here. This 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 uh, idea of a, the the culture of almost perfection. It's like what to fail is like the worst thing ever. It's like no, it's it's not. Yeah, it, you know, we can learn from that. You know, one thing again, I tell them, I tell my staff, I tell people, even like guys who might become priests, like it doesn't matter to me if, if it doesn't work. Like, did you learn? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what lessons can be born of this. And and. You know, like, do I want to fail? No, but things happen. Things fail. That's okay. Why do we make it seem like it's the end and like, oh, we can't see, we can't trust these kids? Like, that's dumb. Yeah. Because like, we yeah. as adults fail all the time and we're like, we ask, oh, well, forgive us and give us more money. But why can't we do it for them? They're younger than us. The city of San yeah. Bernardino did that, right? Right. We went bankrupt. And, <laughs> I know. Hey, we forgive, our, forgive all our... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all it, our it, debts. It makes no sense. And I think, like, you were talking about this earlier, you know, with the murals. Like, yeah. Like, there's so much places that... So many places here in the city of San Bernardino that would benefit from having a mural project. It really does remind me of the Great Depression, you know? It, during the Great Depression, like, we still using things from the Great Depression almost 100 years later. Mm-hmm. And things that were like amazing done, like whether it's architecture, whether it's art, whether these things, and like there's value in those things, you know? Like, in my community, I mean, to be honest, the place when I first got there, it was a dump. <laughs> I was like, this place is awful, man. And like, we started putting money into stuff. We had started spending the money. We started putting the projects. And now, it, oh, I'm not yeah. saying this. I've been to your fest, the last festival you yeah. had. Um, I forgot what which uh, I think it was the New Year's. It's probably the uh, Debt yeah. Festival for the Vietnamese. So Spanish. awesome! Like it you guys was. had a stage. You guys had yeah. like some amazing music and performances, some dancing, yeah. like bomb food. And you know the crazy thing is like that they like fundraise for that. Mm-hmm. Like, but it happened. I really believe because they started seeing, hey, this place is looking nicer. We maybe we got to do something. Mm-hmm. And people started doing that. And so all of a sudden, you know, we were like went from like. 
broke, and that's like, we're, no, we're not rich, but like, then people are like, oh, here's father, here's five grand, oh, here's 10 grand, oh, oh we're gonna do this project. Like, yo, and imagine, <laughs> that could happen in the community. Why? Because young people are putting, like, whether it's spray paint graffiti, art, or muraling with paint, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like, that starts, like, almost pride in your city. Because I know that if you walk, if you're, like, driving by or walking by, and you see something like, I did that, or your friend's like, yo, my friend did that, mm-hmm. then it starts something, you know? So, I, like, I think the city should certainly invest more in, in the arts, you know, in these, these projects for the young people out in public, you know? I mean, I know you were on that commission. Um yeah, yeah, I was, but they eventually got rid of it and they took all the funding from it. Well, I know there was like a tax surprise. that was going into a, yeah. Um, yeah, there was like restricted funding for the arts here and sure. culture development, but it never really happened, right? We, we tried and at the time I was pretty young and I don't think they really also, like, I think an issue as well, so talking about youth voice, right? An issue with our city leadership and the commissions is that the majority of them um, have people like everyone's over 50, over 60, and there's no like diversity and we need that diversity of experience. Um, that diversity, you know, of the technology and what's available and what's happening um, in the now. Um, and so like a lot of times when I had ideas, they were kind of shot down, I feel like, but at the same time I kept going, you know, I was still doing stuff in the community. I wasn't, yeah. it's not like I was like, hey, because you guys don't want us to do this, I'm not gonna do it. I would go find another avenue, right? Yeah, and that's um, the way to, you know, and, and that's good. You know, you didn't give up and, um, but I think the older generation, we lose, we lose something when we don't listen and be mentors to our young people. Because right now, you know, you know, if you don't know the, the statistic, it's like 60 to 70% of young people are living in a single parent household in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of those households are, are, are mothers, you know, mm-hmm. bless them. And, and so to me, it's like, here's an opportunity for us as older folks to guide our young people, like not to tell them what to do necessarily, but if we gain their trust, they're going to ask us, like, what do you think? And it's like, and what a to great To be there insight. for guidance, right? Yeah, to be what there a for great guidance. insight. You know, let me tell you this, this real quick story. I was talking to, saying this in a homily the other day. There was this young man. He lives uh, outside the, he lives uh, towards LA now. But like me and him, man, we just hit it off. He was, I mean, he's just a great kid. Just a great kid, you know? He'd come off and on to church, off and on to church, you know? And like, just a real, two stories real quick. He was really into soccer. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was like, I went to go see him at a soccer game with all the other members of the parish and at, at uh, one of the schools here on, uh, on Mount Vernon. And he didn't see I was there. I was saying hi to folks. And all of a sudden he goes, he goes, average. <laughs> right? He got all crazy. And then like, I called his name. I go, yo, da da da. He goes, oh, father, sorry, sorry. He's like all like, like like all scared you know like i i heard him say that and i started laughing and like so after the game man he didn't say hi to anyone he just went straight to me goes, father i was i'm so sorry i didn't really mean to say that other baby don't worry i know we get emotional like yeah 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 i'm sorry though i, I you know i don't mean that i know you don't <laughs> and so like just uh, i was giving this holiday the other day and he was telling me i was telling this story where he saw my car and he was on his way to see his mom and he saw my car and he turned around because he said, I got to go say what's up to father. Like, you know, he was like 18 or 19 and I'm like 40 some. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of relationship we should be nourishing. Not to be like, oh, you know, why are you cussing, you know, but like, ah, it happens, you know, and being there for them and listening to them and, and not judging them when they do something that they're not supposed to do. Saying, look, look, let's keep working at it. Let's keep working at it. You know, and I, that's what was needed. To, for us as adults to be mentors to our young people, not to like go like and judge them, but to like, yo, let's 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 keep walking together. I'm here mm-hmm. for you, man. Don't worry. We all mess up. And that's that's amazing that you're doing that too. Like, um, I think not every um, pastor and you know priest, uh, religious leader, not everyone does that, right? Not everyone. Um, Sadly, no. <laughs> there's so much uh, difference, you know, in in personalities and whatnot. And I think. For sure, like I've had a few great priests that have done that for me too, and were there, like, um, and and not judgmental, like not like, hey, this is how it is, and this is how it has to be. It's more like, you know, just listen, listen, give a little bit of good advice, and 
hopefully uh you know you continue to stay in san Bernardino and help help this community father i want to i want to be uh, aware of our time and i don't want want to go over your time schedule i know you have a lot going on no worries no worries <laughs> well you know i appreciate it michael yeah. you know you're to like one of my favorite people man you do a lot oh, of work here you. and you're inspiration not just to me but i know to a lot of folks and uh because your passion you can tell you care you care about the city, about its people, and, and, and you know, again, we are talking about this earlier, like the church and ICUC, I think, work well together because we represent the voiceless. And there's a lot of voiceless people here in San Bernardino, and they need someone to be a champion for them, not to like say, here, follow me, but to say, here, let me give you the tools, and mm-hmm. we're all going to walk together, we're going to change this place for the better. And um, and, and so I appreciate the, the time, you know, and uh, we're about the youth. Let's keep, you know, like Tom Dolan, man, that guy too. <laughs> Respect to that guy, man. That guy's a yeah. saint, man. Serious. All those involved, man. All those yeah. involved in ICUC. And we just want to thank you because you've been involved too for like eight years pretty much since you got here, I would say. so. We keep collaborating, you know. Yeah. Um, ICUC, keep doing what you're doing, man. You guys are doing great. And, uh, you know, from Sergio to Keisha to you to Christian, you know, I mean, there's just so many that I could say right now. You know, it, it's just unbelievable the amount of work that y'all do with such limited <laughs> limited funds. But you know what? It's yeah. not about the funds. It's about, like, the passion. The passion, you know. And so, shout out to ICUC. If you want to make changes, you know, ICUC is the place. And uh, Yeah, come join know, us. Come, come join, join us in the campaigns. Um, start your own campaigns. And, um, you know, donate. And you, need, you don't have to donate money. Donate your time. Volunteer. Get That's stuff right. done. And enjoy the center we're gonna open it soon too that's gonna be an amazing thing so it will be thank you so much father um thanks so much yeah yeah have a good (laughs) likewise god bless y'all thank you so much